Hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm Simon. And we talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. Simon has a number of buy-to-lets and runs Patma, which is a leading portfolio management software system and a source of property market insights. And Stuart runs a portfolio of co-living properties with a six-figure turnover. And before we start, don't forget... As always, you can join the email bop tribe simply by clicking the link below in the show notes. Now, today, we're going to talk about an interesting headline I saw somewhere on Twitter that said, have interest rates broken by to let? And clearly, it's a bit clickbaity. We've also leveraged that clickbaity title. But it does bring about an interesting question, which we wanted to talk about and just dig a little bit deeper into. Because as we've talked about, uh, I'm looking at mortgage products at the moment for buy-to-let. And those mortgage products are around the 5% mark. And you know, the stress test was always around 5, 5.5. And, and we know that things are becoming more challenging. And Simon, too, has recently brought a property onto the market, just been tenanted. And Simon, let's start there. So... You got a mortgage on that property. How did that look for you? Well, thankfully, the the mortgage market hadn't completely collapsed at the point at which I was was getting my mortgage. By the time the the purchase completed, the the world was different. But I I already had a mortgage agreement by then, so it was okay. I mean, we're, we're going to dig into the, some of the full figures on that one once I've actually got them all in. So I haven't got haven't had the final invoice from the builders yet, and there's one or two other bits and bobs that need sorting out. So we're not going to dig into those, those final figures yet, but I, we will do on another episode. But sort of the, the overall summary, if you like, is that that property purchase probably, I think, wouldn't work now. Certainly, certainly it wouldn't work for me. So if I was paying current interest rates on, on that purchase, it would have been very difficult to make well in in personal names for starters it it wouldn't have made any money at all because after tax because of the the section 24 tax changes but even in a limited company which which is how i i purchased this property the the level of profit is just really too small to make it worthwhile so i mean there, there would be profit there and you could say and indeed as I buy another one at some point in the future, this may be what I'm looking to, that in the long term, it will still make a bit more, more profit. But looking at it sort of right now, the, you can get better return on your, your capital putting it into a bank, into a, into a savings account. And buying in the, in the southeast was always a, a sort of combination play between a little bit of rental profit and a longer term capital gain. So you would always be sort of looking at the, the, the return on investment and looking at fairly low percentage figures. But it wasn't that long ago that you were comparing that against almost zero in a savings account. Whereas now, it, that, that has switched around. So you can now get 4% without too much trouble in a, in a sort of fixed, fixed term savings account. Whereas you might be looking at ROI of 1% to 2% on, on the rental profit. And, and while the 
capital gains over a longer term will probably compensate for that. It really does just make it less appealing and much, well, I don't know. I, to, I think to me, it does feel broken. So, so there you go. There, there, there's my stance. Bytelet is broken. What do you think, Stuart? I'm not sure I agree. And I think it's harder. I think everything's gotten harder for us. But I'll tell you, I, I did, did a quick back of the fag packet. So if we take the average UK house price according to uh, house price index. Now, the, the one caveat I would apply is that you know, you've mentioned personal rates. And I think that is something which is, ch- which is creating a challenge. But let's take, let's do, let's just do it. So annual UK house price, 288,000. 75% of that is 216,000. A 5.5% interest rate gives you an annual mortgage of payment of 11,880, which then gives you a monthly interest rate payment of 990 pounds. And if I times that by 125%, it gives you a 1,237. So that's that's on the UK average house price. When I go into UK, so UK, uh, sorry, yeah, so that, that was um, national. But when we look at England, just look at England. So the, the average is 308,000. 75% of that goes to 231. And then it's over just over 12,700. Basically, you'd need a minimum rent of 1,323. So my take on that is that it is definitely more challenging and I think the point that you made, uh, both sort of pre and during record, is that actually for personal taxpayers, at 20%, it might just about work. But if you're a 40% taxpayer, that's probably not going to work. So then you look at limited company. And I think that therein lies the challenge. So, And the reason I think it's, it's, it's probably still just about doable, obviously depending on the numbers, is because I, I'll be honest, I, you know, the property we've talked about, for me, the flat that was the three and a half year flip is, you know, we're looking at a value of 350,000. Now, I just did not believe that that I could get that to work as a buy to let because, yeah, 75% of that, off the top of my head, I think it was about 262,000. And I was just thinking that that's a lot of money. However, of course, we've been paying bridging rates and we're now looking at an interest rate of somewhere between 4.8 and 5.2, rounded up. And because the rental income is 1,700, it's just about going to be okay. Although once I factor in service charges, it's probably not as good. So I think the more I think about it, the more I think, well, it's going to be a lot more challenging in the South and Southeast, definitely. But for me, it would be, oh, oh, I am now thinking about where else I can go. So I'm mostly in the southwest, as you know, and listeners probably know. But I am actually seriously starting to think about north, northern areas. So, but for me, it's probably more northeast than northwest. So I think, I think my, my, my take on this is it definitely is more challenging. But because we've had the stress test rate, it means that, Maybe this is the positive thing we can say about the banks is that they have kind of prepared us for this. 
as long as you look at all of the numbers. And I think that's the, the point, Simon, that you talked about is that actually, if you think about this from a, also from a tax perspective, then that that is really where the rubber meets the road, because it's OK to look at your net monthly profit. But how does that translate at the end of tax year? Yeah, exactly. And again, I think people who have been investing in limited companies and have bigger portfolios will will be in the sort of best positions or all those who own property unencumbered without mortgages. They're, they're also in, in much stronger positions. But I mean, looking at that, those averages you mentioned, £308,000 for, for property, you could potentially with a high enough rent, get a 75% loan value mortgage. And assuming probably limited companies sort of level rental covers and stress rate checks and things because the the stress rate and rental cover requirements are generally higher for buying in personal names because of the the tax implications but if you were to do it at the the sort of most advantageous level and hence be able to get 75% loan to value um, which might might be required for some people especially if they've already got property and they haven't got more funds to put in to to reduce their mortgage but if that's the case on a on a twenty percent taxpayer level, you, you make a small profit, thirteen hundred pounds ish a year. But if you're paying at a forty percent level of tax, renting out owning and renting out that property is going to cost you about thirteen hundred pounds after tax. So it it flips very very rapidly. And while new people buying will obviously be buying in a limited company, you're still only going to be making about 1700 pre-tax profit. And if it's your first purchase in a limited company, you're going to be spending most of that on an accountant, never mind any other limited company running expenses and things. So you're, you're still looking at buying and renting a house, which is, which is not trivial. It takes work and effort for basically nothing. And, and of course, if, you're, if you've already got a portfolio in a limited company and you're adding this to it, then overheads like an accountant will be spread across the portfolio. So you, it won't swallow up all of your profit. But it's, it, it just goes to show that there, there isn't much profit. The profit margins are very, very thin there at the moment. And in terms of breaking buy to let, I don't think it's just a case of looking at new purchases of Vitalet is also the existing Vitalet market. We've spoken I don't know, a few weeks ago, not that long ago, about landlords selling up and and the fact that this seems to be a, a growing phenomenon. I mean, just, just as a, a completely anecdotal, how common can this possibly be? I was standing on a train station in London, so it's a, away from, from Red Hill, although obviously it was on a train track to Red Hill. And I just happened to overhear a conversation from a couple of friends stood next to me. And one of them was saying that their their property or the property they're, they're renting in or around Red Hill was being sold by the landlord. And they, they'd just been given two months notice to move out. I mean, standing on a random train station and happened to overhear a conversation that somebody is being evicted because their landlord is selling. I mean, it, it's the coincidence of that seems low to me, unless there are a lot of these things happening. And I think it is probably because 
interest rates have broken buy-to-let. A lot of existing buy-to-let stock is owned in personal names. And yes, I know half of it may be unencumbered, but the other half isn't. And higher interest rates, mortgage fixed rates expiring and renewals being needed, and then the tax as well, these people are going to be looking at losing money. And that's before you consider all the other things we've talked about before, about why landlords might sell up. So I, I'm sorry, but in in the South, at least, where properties are more expensive, and I think possibly in, in wider areas as well, I, I stand by my, my argument. Buy to let's broken. Well, there we go. We have, we have uh, our first bone of contention on the business of property. I think... Um, I think you're right in that for for a lot of existing landlords things need to be reviewed. I th- I I think obviously in terms of the the broken element it's it's more around because when we talk about not making money what 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 we mean is that people are leveraged and they're over leveraged. So the the first if we because obviously Simon and I are you know, be, being slightly tongue in cheek with our conversations and our sort of controversial nature with each other. But my first thought is, well, if you're buying in cash, you're absolutely golden. You know, this is not even a consideration. So if you were buying in cash, the interest rate doesn't even concern you. It, only insofar as what it's doing to other prices around, around in the market and possibly the value of your property. But what was interesting is, and, and, and I, I do completely agree because I know that some people have are, are struggling with the buy to lets because of because they were leveraged, and if you got leveraged at the wrong time. But what I looked at, I mean, I, I literally did a quick review. I did uh, Leeds City Centre three beds and sorted it from low to high uh, with a with a bit, and you can still get a three bed property for somewhere around eighty to ninety thousand. Because the, the funny thing I'm, is, I'm sorry. So what? You, you can get a shoebox for for eighty ninety thousand. You say? <laughs> no, this is a this is a real property. Don't offend our people in the north. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> and because obviously I've looked up in Manchester well, but you know these are lower. Because the the thing I think is obviously we we have to look, we look at the averages just because we're trying to get a sense of it. But when we were looking at you know the English the the England three bed average price of three hundred and eight thousand. I, I just felt myself because I've obviously been speaking with a number of people this week that have been talking about buying properties for less than a hundred thousand pounds. And if you if you can still buy three bed properties for eighty thousand now, of course, depending on the rates, I'm still I'm pretty sure that even you know with a five percent rate on a seventy five thousand pound mortgage, you should be able to to make some money. I think the point we get to is that. You've really got to look at these numbers now, and certainly in the London, London and the southeast, it is getting much, much harder to do. But I think, I don't, I don't think it's broken. I think it's just much more difficult than it was previously. Yeah, exactly. And I, I well, no, I don't say exactly because I'm still standing by it's broken. Sorry, I forgot that bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the, the increasing rents have helped a lot, and. Purchase prices are softening, maybe going down, maybe. I mean, lots of properties are still being listed at fairly high rates, but then there are seeing reductions. So, and then you probably negotiate on that. But anyway, the rents increasing makes a big difference. And I think the, the, the rents have increased in certain areas, perhaps a bit more than others. So just, just looking at our, or 
the, the little microcosm that I investigate around Red Hill. And properties that are coming onto the market, this is sort of two-bed properties, they're, they're coming on for between, say, 380 and 400. And in, in Red Hill, the rents have, have gone up a bit and you can get 1600 1650 maybe for a nicer place and you can you can just about make the numbers work as in you 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 can still do better in terms of ROI in a savings account but you could you could just about sort of convince yourself that it would be okay but you don't have to go far out of red hill into sort of the surrounding areas where the purchase prices are still about the same but the rents drop off quite sharply and then you might be looking at 1500 or even 1400 for a two-bed house and and now suddenly the figures just don't work at all so i think it is it is very area specific but even in the areas where you can sort of make it work i still still don't think it it works well so so maybe maybe bicelet isn't completely broken maybe it's just just really hard to make work but in in other areas you've been looking at where the properties are much cheaper, you've still got the high interest rates. You've also got much lower rents. So are, are you seeing that the, the rents are high enough to counter that? Or, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have other worries around lower rents as well in terms of sort of you, you still have to cover certain fixed costs like a £500 valuation fee or or a £3,000 boiler replacement or something. And, and those costs don't vary very much on area. But, but yeah, how, how are you seeing rents compare to purchase prices in other areas? Yeah, well, so you know, in the areas that I'm, I'm working very strongly, I think, as you say, we, the rents have gone up. And actually, for the first five years in my area, which is quite a, a flat area, the, the, the rents were pretty static for quite a few years. Only in the last year or so, we start to put those rents up. So I do think inflation is paying its part. I, I think the, the point which I'll sort of underscore from what you've just talked about, though, for me is that, and this was something I didn't do for the first couple of years, but is get ultra realistic about what you're paying. So even to the point where yeah, if, if running as a limited company, I have a lot of costs that don't necessarily go against properties. So I might have car costs, fuel costs, travel and subsistence, you know, accountancy costs. Now, if I'm doing my numbers properly, what I now do is I spread all of those costs. So I might have a, a bunch of costs, for the sake of argument, that was £12,000 that's not attributed to any of my properties. However, if I own 10 properties, what I should really be doing is putting £1,200 of those unassigned costs against each of those properties because that will then show me the true cost. And I think when you look at those numbers and you factor in your cost of accountancy and you, you, you factor in the tax, then you get to see the property for what it is. And I think for me, that is really important because a lot of us just try, well, certainly I did, I tried to just focus on the, we just focus on the yield because that's what the property gurus talk about and we focus on the no money down. But actually, is it really generating return? Because I can tell you now, some of my properties are generating around 2% net yield. And right now, I could just go blow this for a game of soldiers. I'll sell this property and I'll just put it in the bank right now. 
because it's it, it'll be as the same and i don't have to deal with a phone call about the the blocks you bend so fantastic excellent so you now agree with me that bite alert's broken um and we're out of time excellent yeah wow well, no, you can't sneak that one in um at the end <laughs> and i'm and i'm yeah <laughs> Uh, but the final point is, and I think the, the challenge for, for some of us are looking at this as clearly is because the property does have a trump card of capital appreciation. And that is the one thing that does keep us going is that, uh, and certainly for me, when I've had properties that have just broken even for a period of time or lost money is that I know that some of that value has increased. And, and that is why property can be quite challenging because sometimes the allure of appreciation keeps us in a, in a property which maybe we shouldn't retain. So maybe it's broken, maybe it's not. Let us know. Reach out to us at B-I-Z of property, at Biz of Property on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. So please do reach out to us and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.